dear listeners, to Cast Me to Hell's Campfire Stories. This evening, we will be bringing you some spine-tingling, eye-gouging, blood-boiling terror in the form of free urban legends that are hard to decipher as fact or fiction. So come and gather around the campfire, turn the lights down low, as your Cast Me to Hell camp counsellors are ready to share their stories. This first story begins like many in the 21st century. A single woman, a dating app, and a landline. The legend goes that a 20-something woman moves to a new small town and is staying, alone, in a house in the middle of the countryside. The woman is seeking companionship and begins to go on a few dates with a few unsuitable suitors. But she does feel comfortable talking to one man in particular. He's funny, he's kind, he's more normal than the rest. As she settles into her new life, everything takes a lot of adjustments. Love, distance and her home in particular. One evening, she's at her home, and she hears a strange clinking noise in the basement. But as we all do, she simply puts the noises down to the house being old, and just generally making old house noises. Wobbly pipes, gusts of wind, creaking boards. But, being alone, she still feels uneasy. So she rings a relative who assures her that the old houses always do these kind of thing. This calms her a bit. A few hours pass and the woman hears the noises again, now coming louder and louder, and this time she rushes to call 999. The operator realises how distressed the woman is, assures her that it's most likely nothing, and asks her if she's in the house on her own which the woman confirms. The operator agrees to send out an officer just to check, and that the officer will be about 40 minutes. But the operator will stay on the line with her, just for reassurance and in case there is an emergency. The woman still feels uneasy as she waits. The operator tries to relieve her worries, but the woman thinks to herself that the operator, something is very strange here with little cracks of worry coming through the operator's professional demeanour. The basement noises go quiet for a moment, as suddenly, after only three minutes have passed, a squadron of police cars have arrived, and the police rush the woman's door and push straight through towards the basement. As they go down the steps, they find a man startled with various tools and a partially built cage. As the police apprehend the man, the woman steps down the steps, horrified to realise she recognises him as one of her Tinder dates who had dropped her off after a date, had learned that she was home alone. The only man she had deemed normal shattered her beliefs of normality in her new hometown. According to urban legend, the operator had been bluffing about the police arriving within 40 minutes as the operator had noticed someone else listening in on the phone call and had hoped that this would take the intruder by surprise before he could complete his twisted vision for his Tinder date.
Oh, I hope you don't feel too cagey if we swipe right into our next urban legend. I will continue with the story as we take a transatlantic trip and visit a small town in the American Midwest. There once was a very wealthy farmer in Ohio who owned a large amount of farmland. And every time he and his wife were expecting a child, the wealthy farmer would build a barn on new land and name it after the child. The farmer had already built six barns on six pieces of land, and he and his wife were expecting a seventh child. So the farmer got to work. However, the farmer's wife and the child died in childbirth, and the farmer was driven insane with grief. The farmer had stopped tending to his land and was out of money. The urban legend goes that one night, in the depths of his madness and despair, the farmer took an axe and led his children away, one by one, to their respective barns, where he killed and buried them. The farmer then went to the seventh barn and hung himself. Following this tragic event, the land was sold off and the barns were eventually torn down, all but the seventh barn, as no one wanted to own the land where such evil had taken place. So the farm remained and fell into disrepair. They say that if you go into the barn at night, you can see the ghost of the farmer hanging from the rafters, doomed for an eternity to dwell on his actions that night. No one was sure where the barn was located. There were rumours that the barn was located on the Kranz farm in Kuigga Valley, whilst others believed the barn was located at top of the world in Northampton. So when, in 1997, a local Ohio teacher believed he had tracked the location of the seventh barn, he stated that the other six barns had not been torn down, but had been added to neighbouring farms. According to the teacher, he was able to pinpoint the exact location of the seventh barn as the six neighbouring farms had nameplates above them with engravings of each ch child's names. The teacher and his son set out at night to visit the barn, equipped with a video camera to capture any paranormal activity and settle the legend once and for all. The next morning, the teacher's wife reported her son and husband missing as they had not returned from their travels. The police set out to find the father and son at their last known location. The urban legend goes that as the police found and entered the old barn, they found the bodies of the teacher and his son hanging from the rafters. Oh, that was a creeper. 
Now, I hope that you will hang around for our final story of this Halloween night as Councillor Bobby takes us on a ride into our Cast Me to Hell DeLorean on a vampire hunting trip to 1970s London. So, are you ready? Flares? Check. Rolling Stones t-shirt? Check. Improvised stakes? Check. Highgrove Cemetery in London, which has been dubbed the creepiest cemetery in London, was the resting place of some of the wealthiest Londoners from the 19th century, including German philosopher Karl Marx and novelist George Eliot. On this site, there have been sightings of a sinister figure with blood-red eyes who was seen to be hovering above the ground and started cropping up in the local newspaper where the only plausible explanation was surely a vampire. One sighting was recounted in the Hempstead and Highgate Express by a young wicker named David Farrant, who had been told of a tall, grey, floating figure in the cemetery on Christmas Eve 1969. Farrant had also heard reports that there were several foxes dead in the cemetery with their throats slit. So Farrant decided to spend the night there to try and capture any activity. His purpose and mission were to debunk all of the claims about this apparition and had the mindset that people were just seeing things in the dark. When midnight struck, Farrant walked up to the front gates and while he was looking through them, he saw the tall, dark figure roaming around and in between gravestones. When the figure was getting closer to him, he was shocked to discover that this figure was just about seven feet tall. When people asked him about what he saw, he recalled that he saw two inhuman eyes at the top of the head. Fount became overwhelmed with fear. He quickly turned away from the figure and when he turned back around to see if the figure was still there, it had vanished. However, shortly after this was published, Sean Manchester was interviewed and gave his account for an article titled Does a Vampire Walk in Highgate? Manchester claimed that the vampire was in fact known as King Vampire and had practiced black magic in Wallachia, home of Dracula before being buried in the cemetery. Manchester also claimed that he had been resurrected by a modern-day Satanist, and that his demonic form now stalked the cemetery. Manchester was head of the British Occult Society, and also a self-proclaimed exorcist and vampire slayer, who claimed that he would be the one to rid the cemetery of the evil that stalked them. Farrant reported that this was all over the top and had been blown out of proportion and that it was just a simple, common ghost. What followed was a feud between the two as they both released their own books on the Highgate Vampire and the feud still goes today. An ITV special on the Highgate Vampire caused local residents to form a mob and Manchester led nightly vampire hunts with these people opening coffins and beheading and mutilating corpses. Several of those so-called hunters also claimed to have seen the vampire, 
but the unholy beast remained at large. Manchester and Farrant continued to claim that they would be the first one to catch and kill the undead monster. In true British style, the two esteemed gentlemen decided to hold a duel to settle who was the better magician and paranormalist. The duel was to take place on April the 13th, 1973, at Parliament Hill, with rumours circulating that they were going to sacrifice a cat and have naked virgins present. A local man's pet failed to return home, which sparked rumours that Mr Farrant had taken the animal and beheaded it as part of a ritual. The duel never took place, as Mr Farrant was later arrested outside Highgate Cemetery for having a stake at a crucifix, and was charged with damaging memorials and interfering with dead remains. Shortly after, excitement around the cemetery had started to die down, and the whole thing faded. Mr Manchester claims to have tracked the vampire down to a house in Churchend, fighting the beast and ultimately killing it with his stake. Mr Farrant continued to his final days to deem Manchester a fraud, just as Manchester deemed him. Well, that story certainly had a lot of stakes. So it feels the moral of that story was that two men did possibly nothing to stop the ghost and vampire who are still hunting to this very moment. So just remember, the next time you stroll merrily through a cemetery, Hear a noise in the basement in the dead of the night. Or are walking past an old barn. Someone or something might be waiting for you inside. From all of us around the campfire at Cast Me to Hell, we wish you a Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween.